You're listening to Earful of Dirt, the Major League Rugby Podcast. We're live each Monday night on YouTube, available for download every Wednesday morning through your favorite podcast provider, and always online at earfulofdirt.com. Bringing you the latest news, views, and abuse from across the United States, here's your hosts. And we're live. Welcome to Earful of Dirt, the Major League Rugby Podcast. Thank you so much for joining us. I'm Corey Munson, coming to you live from Iowa. I'm joined, as always, by Aaron Castro in Arizona and Liam Madigan-Fried in Massachusetts. How's it going, guys? So, does anyone know how hard it is to find bright-colored men's leggings from a a reputable company for morning fitness sessions so that, uh, you know, yours truly doesn't get run over again? (laughs) I don't even know what an example of a reputable company in that context would be. Well, but I'm doing I'm doing fine though, thank you. Nike, Under Armour, Adidas. Oh, I get even <laughs> even Reebok would be a would be okay. Uh, but yeah, um, I think of the 250 offerings I looked at on Nike.com, Under Armour, Adidas. There was one pair of like bright color of Under Armour. I was like, if that's it, I guess, you know, got to get like five. What are you looking for? Like neon green or something like that? Yeah. Like, I'm trying like not to get pink. I'm well, run hot, over. Fuck it. What, whatever's like neon, I'll go neon pink. I just don't want to, you know, get hit again. It's, I mean, well, I guess, yeah. So long You need to get like a construction vest. Um, that might help. There you go. Something high, high reflective, highly reflective. Liam, how's your week been, my friend? Uh, I mean, I'm starting to feel kind of like a vampire. As I've been telling you guys the last couple of weeks, I've been working construction uh, while just trying to save some money before making the move to Houston. And uh, so I've been working overnights uh, pretty much four days a week. And I'm, a, I'm an official vampire now, I think. I'm starting to grow fangs. I'm afraid of the sun. And I get very irritable when people uh, disturb me in my castle. Uh, you know, I, uh, I was planning on sending you uh, a shipment of garlic bread. I guess we'll kind of skip that. <laughs> nah, I mean, I'll, I'll, if, if it means getting garlic bread, I'll take the, uh, I'll take the good swift death on that I mean, one. so take, not take garlic bread. Not there's a place there's a pizza joint here that makes uh pizza muffins and I'm not talking like pizza rolls but like we're talking it's basically a muffin of pizza it's kind of cool so if you, well, if you really want some of that next. you want some of that yeah, just let dude, me know dude send it send it through man <laughs> <laughs> I might not be in I might not be in college anymore but I'm still totally welcome for free food <laughs> <laughs> wow. Well, so I'm stuck in the rain. I don't know about you guys, but uh, it's been raining for basically two weeks straight here, and we're about to have our third flood of the fall here in Cedar Rapids. So as the name of the city implies, there's a river that runs through the middle of town, and this thing has a tendency to go up and down once in a while. But uh, this year has been kind of strange, so we're uh, looking at a major flood stage by Wednesday, whatever that means. So if I'm not here next week... Look for me down in the Mississippi somewhere. Do you guys have a dike that you seal off so that it protects you, or we, or we pass the yeah, well, seal off the dike stage? Um, they they keep putting up earthen levees, so basically they pile up a bunch of uh, dirt along the river, 
And I think after the big flood about a decade ago, FEMA was supposed to build some stuff, and then they never did. So we're just Whoa. pretty much hanging out. Are you saying FEMA may have forgotten about some people they were supposed to help? This is very uncharacteristic of that organization. I, I think <laughs> the answer is I'll tell you what, though. My trailer has been fantastic. I mean, four square walls, all the arsenic you can breathe. It's amazing. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and on that note... For those Isn't of this a show about podcast, rugby? <laughs> we talk about rugby every week. Uh, we're live on YouTube every Monday night. We discuss news and rumors from Major League Rugby. Uh, that's the United States Professional Rugby Union. It's a chance for us to look at the issues affecting the league, hear from league officials, players, team leadership, and to check in with our friends from across the country. Uh, so, Aaron, you'd like to tell us what's uh, going on this week, what we got on the show coming up. All right. Hey, Corey, thanks. Uh, on the rundown this week, we've got some club scores that play into MLR this coming preseason. Uh, then we're going to tear up the America's Pacific Challenge performance against Tonga A. Uh, we lost 39 to 30. Kind of kind of late with how that happened. But uh, uh, thanks to everyone in response to our last giveaway uh, for the rugby weekend presented triple header presented by UL. And those are courtesy of the rugby weekend. So uh, thanks to them for hooking us up and hooking you up. Uh, the winner last week was Carly McKinnon. She is a uh, CL Saracens women's premier league player. Uh, good shout out there. Uh, she also played with the Washington athletic club last summer during sevens. Uh, but this week's contest is pure social. All right. On three different platforms. Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter, like the post, share slash retweet the post, tag a mate, and basically three chances to win across three different social platforms. So uh, three tickets going out next week, this week on Friday, and uh, then we have one more pair of tickets to give away next week, courtesy of the Rugby Weekend Triple Header presented by UL. Uh, but Hey, guys, before <sighs> we go on. I wanted to share something real quick. Did you know that today is a post office holiday? It's a federal holiday today, Columbus Day. <laughs> Did you go to the post I office? I found this out because I tried to mail the tickets out to Carly this uh, this morning, and uh, they didn't get very far. So, post office will pick those up tomorrow. I promise, and uh, they'll be on their way to you. So, um, it's called Columbus Day in 1492. Columbus sailed the ocean blue, but guess what? He was second. Leif Erikson beat him here. So dinga, dinga, dinga. happy, happy Leif Erikson day for all those that care. Mm -hmm. um, shout, out to the, shout out to the great state of Vermont for making it Indigenous Peoples Day, by the way, officially in that state. Um, I'm, I'm happy for you, but uh, we can just keep the names of these random holidays that <laughs> – you know, bless bless the government workers with days off. <laughs> they don't matter. <laughs> <laughs> but um, yeah. All right. On to the club scores. Uh, Old Blue wrecked Nyack fifty-eight to five in the America's Rugby Premiership, and Life, uh, the uh, associate member of the ARP, uh, defeated Mystic thirty-one to zero. Just some background. Uh, this life team is basically the college team 
plus Colton Carriaga and I think one other coach is sipped so that they can play some club games. But it's it's a bunch of college kids. Well, it's it is a bunch of college kids. However, th- that's not to say that they're a bunch of eighteen and nineteen year old kids uh, playing. There is some people who are, you know, not 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 you know young like you know old people, but they're also in like their mid to uh, late twenties and stuff like that. It is a uh, major league chiropractic college, and a lot of those guys do go to the do go there just to play rugby. Um, same thing with the West Coast uh, life team. Uh, well, however, and. I mean, Life West is purely a senior club team. This is uh, Life's – this team is their undergraduate university team. Granted, some of those guys are older. They are recruiting mm-hmm. foreign players. Don't get me wrong. But it is a high-performance varsity-like. Definitely. And obviously not, not, not to knock Life. It's, it's a great program, and you know, they definitely deserve to be playing you know, against those ARP teams. Uh, in terms of what went on the field, uh, the first half was – I don't, I don't want to say it was better for Mystic. However, like I guess you could say a, a small bright spot for Mystic River in the first half was their defensive play. They were able to keep it even at 0-0 zero to zero for, I would say, a good you know, 15 to 25, uh, 25 minutes for that first half before life actually started to open up the door. They, they started to play a little bit more high-risk rugby. And they were they found pretty early that that high risk rugby was more often than not paying off uh, in terms of getting them field position. And Mystic was on their back foot the entire game, um, and so was the stream. I don't know if anybody else was watching. Uh, there was a couple instances in which you just got those uh, blocks of like different colors, looking at it like looking like some sort of retro Strangers thing scene. Uh, but basically, it's it's just been the same story that I've noticed with Mystic River every single week. They can't get out of their own way with penalties, and they can't sustain offense, especially towards the end of the second half, even if they do start to stage some sort of comeback uh, late late in the second half. But that didn't even start to happen in this game. Uh, things that I really want to see done different from Mystic River is getting off to a faster start. That might start with uh, having somebody like Chris Slater move into the starting lineup as opposed to being a reserve. He has really big game-breaking speed, as we saw with his season with the Houston Sabercats, and I think somebody like him might be able to open up the gates a lot earlier because if they can do that, they can use their really good uh, – they can use their affinity for playing defense to make sure that they keep that lead, but that's just not going to work if they don't have any sort of lead at all to defend, and that's been their problem these last few weeks. And hopefully the Nyack's recent result versus Old Blue might be some shades of what they can do next week when uh, – when Nyack travels to Pine Banks Park in Malden, Massachusetts, which I will be there to cover it. Nice. So question for you, Liam, do you think yeah. this, uh, this mystic season so far is going to uh, show up on the field under the, the free Jacks banner since the free Jacks are supposed to field the team against the arrows in a couple of weeks. In terms of the roster that we're seeing uh, roster performance, Ye- yes, I, I, it's definitely going to be similar. Obviously, I can't confirm. Are there any uh, ringers coming in? <laughs> I, I I can't confirm in any ringers coming in. Um, at least um, at least not on the air. Uh, ho- however, the, there's definitely some good uh, people coming out of Mystic River that I think will definitely be uh, you know a huge help to to the uh, to the Free Jacks. Most importantly, I mentioned his name a few weeks ago, Ian Luciano. He's been moving between numbers nine and ten. Uh, 
between number nine and 10 for Mystic River. And he's somebody who's expressed to me his, uh, a desire to move into the MLR. Another player, um, again, who's been staying, who's been a stalwart at uh, nine the last two weeks is Eric Thompson. He is somebody who's really physical and really has a really high a rugby IQ. I think he's somebody who could definitely make the leap into MLR. Um, there's a few um, there's a few long-term names in Mystic River, however, that I don't think you're going to see transitioning into the MLR. Uh, number one is probably Steve Dazzo. Dazzo, if anybody's ever been to a Mystic River game, you hear his name being shouted from the sidelines constantly because the guy is physical and he's just a total brute on the field and he's always making plays. Um, I think if they would, I think if they could get him for the preseason, he would be able to make a difference. Um, however, more likely than not, we're going to be seeing a very young Free Jacks team uh, in this in uh, in this coming uh, preseason. However, if if um, if I'm correct in saying that Josh Smith might be the one leading this Free Jacks team in this preseason, I think they have an even greater chance because his ability to game plan for opponents is second to none in the country. So. Um... I mean, that's sort of that side. Uh, looking at uh, Nyack versus Old Blue, whoa. That was a shellacking. Um, yeah, really wasn't right. it. What, what happened here? I, I know Bennett and Brakely are down with the selects, uh, but this was a one-sided affair. We're talking even, you know, even if, uh, you know, only – they held them. I, I don't know what the breakdown of this was, and this is more of a commentary without seeing it, but both Nyack and Old Blue's best are going to make up the meat of the roster for for Rugby United New York. So you really want to see this to be competitive, and, uh, you know, it, it makes me question recruitment uh, in the New York City area when it comes to uh, our top level of, of club rugby and how that's going to eventually feed into, you know, New York. Uh, you know, we've had a lot of conversations with various people and uh, I seriously think you could see a club rugby renaissance at the division one level. And it's going to be necessary uh, to get guys meaningful game time while they're in the fringes of game day selection for MLR teams. And, so it just makes me wonder what's going on there. And then, you know, talked a little bit about life. Uh, they barnstormed the ARP last season. I, I don't think people really understood uh, the style and the level of competence of those guys because, you know, Mystic River was two years off of a national title last year. Uh, and actually a year off of a national title last year because they won it in 2016. Um, but – uh, you know, we're talking about these first 30 guys in this team are basically all recruited to play all on some level of scholarship as far as I know. Uh, at least, like, life gives out scholarships for rugby. Like, they are recruiting mm -hmm. and churning out top-level talent, and we're going to see a bunch of those graduating seniors in MLR this season, I'm pretty sure. So how, how does – I wonder – I guess the question is how should how will we see the senior club competition evolve? Will it will it get better? Will there be a renaissance, or will it just sort of fade away and we'll end up with uh, you know a competition that doesn't really resemble what it previously did? And will it be able to feed M Major League Rugby? I don't know. Well, it, 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 it's hard to say. It's hard to say definitively, and it's hard to give one answer for one elongated period of time. So 
my, my best guess to give is that, you know, a pretty honest answer, I guess, is that, yes, I think the, the senior men's leagues are going to get uh, hurt a little bit in terms of number, in terms of quality of play. But I think that's also temporary as, as more people get start to get fed into the MLR. You know, as you said, I think what we know, I think what, what we know of as a senior men's play is start is going to start to fade away. But I think it's going to be replaced by something new. I think it's going to we're going to get a lot more used to a different style of play and quality of play. But I think that's only going to benefit the MLR in the long run. Uh, as more and more young players start to go into MLR and more senior players start to uh, move into the uh, into the elite amateur play, um, as well as more developing young players. So I, I no, I, I don't think I don't think we're going to lose club rugby. You know, as, well, I'm not, I'm not saying yeah. will we lose club rugby. I'm saying the top echelons of club rugby, like such as ARP and PRP, and and ARP, like PRP, yeah. uh, Midwest yeah. Premiership, uh, Atlantic. I think Atlantic Premiership, Red River Rugby Conference. We've seen a steady decline across, you know, the entire country for the past like decade since like the Super League folded. Uh, we went from seven seventy two, I think it was, Division One clubs to last year we were at twenty eight. I think this year we are back to thirty. Thank everyone. Thank the Red River for forcing well for forcing one team to get promoted. And uh, mm-hmm. one team voluntarily uh, promoting itself. Really don't know what the PRP will look like this year. We'll see uh, if it's back or not. Uh, you know, I, I think it's a, it was a great competition last year, and they pushed a, a finalist into the final two uh, for a club rugby yeah, competition. I just I'm not well, sure fallen to Mystic. What I just want to see is, you know, in a catchment area for an MLR team, uh, you know, the size of New York or the size of Boston or the size of Houston or the size of Dallas. I mean, Dallas has two Division One teams, but it could it could have more, uh, you know, go down to uh, California. The size of San Diego has, uh, you know, a couple of D1 teams like all of them. need. I think no, only one. Only on back was the D1 team last year. So old Aztecs can be drugged back up. And, you know, you have uh, the bottom 23 of your 46-man roster is playing with two clubs that weekend. Or, and you go to the Pacific Northwest, there's, uh, there's a bunch of D2 teams and there's a bunch of D3 teams, but there is no American Division One team. You have the Seattle Saracens whole program competing in the BC rugby union. So, uh, and where do you, where do the Merlins play? They play in the red river in Texas. So they have to trap, they travel all the time uh, to play in Texas and people meet them halfway because there is no more division one rugby in the frontier region. So mm-hmm. uh, moving on, uh, this one sort of pissed me off, but uh, America specific challenge Tonga, a 39, 30 USA selects. Yeah. So this was, uh, this competition kicked off this weekend. This is the, uh, I believe this is third season of this. It started in 2000. Yeah. The current version of America's Pacific challenge started in 2016. And, uh, kind of the purpose of the program was to boost, uh, high performance, create a pathway into the test arena, according to their website. So this year uh, featured six A sides, and that's Argentina, 15s, Canada A, Samoa A, Tonga A, Uruguay A, and the USA Selects. 
And Aaron, I know you were able to catch this game this weekend uh, where Tonga slipped past, past the U.S. So tell us what happened. So uh, for just uh, before we move into that, if anyone's never watched a rugby match in Spanish, they, you know, you're going to have a chance on Wednesday. Uh, and we'll watch this stuff in Spanish. It's great. Uh, commentators get super excited. It's a fun time. Uh, but really, it was a, a back-and-forth match, a lot of defense early on in the first half. Uh, you know, we scored first with the penalty, and it was just – you're watching this game and you're wondering sort of, I was wondering the way the selections were for, because of MLR, it was definitely a more developmental side. Cause last year we had a lot of our senior guys that are, you know, uh, always starters in the Eagles because they need to get prepared for uh, autumn tour. But now we have a, a high performance professional competition that, you know, keeps our guys in shape. But so you had Connor Kearns captaining the side, uh, which was good to see. Although performance at 10 was a bit rough. Uh, our back line, man, we, their, their chemistry was a bit off over most of this time. I think Ryan Matias, uh, if it's, if this is about development, uh, you know, then he's not starting obviously, but if it's, if it's about winning, uh, Ryan Matias needs to start at winger center because he was, a, he was a light switch for this team in the second half. He can do things other guys can't. Uh, that's just the, the reality of it. But overall, we, we knew our systems. We knew our processes. Uh, we ran our offense and attack system very well. But the team we were going up against was decent defensively, but when they had the ball in hand, they played a lot of eight-man, ten-man rugby, and they didn't cycle it to their backs as much. But what they did, the style they played was just so much more physical. And when they tackled us on defense, it was like the best way I can explain it is if everyone remembers when Chip Kelly was at Oregon and they went to the national championship game and they played, uh, was it Auburn? I think it was Auburn. And they just got crushed by a bunch of uh, – I can, I'll be corrected when Josh gets me back, but I think it was Auburn. But basically, it was an SEC team in the final. Maybe it was Alabama. And you're talking about a finesse team that knew their systems, but they just got hit in the mouth. And that's what happened. Is Our guys, we, we put out a younger developmental squad, and we got hit in the mouth. Uh, we were up 30-24 to 24, uh, late in the second half. Uh, one of the things that we were having difficulty with was – uh, but at the five meter line, we were just not cycling well uh, on defense, which I think Scott Lawrence and Dave Williams will tear that up and prepare the guys for the match on Wednesday, and we'll be we'll be all right. But you know, you have a, uh, you know, you have a, uh, <laughs> you have these guys, and they're just you're having a back in the hole right there, or they're just not paying attention. And the only strike runner that Tonga had was really their scrum half and he was just able he, he would just take the ball and he would just run right through the hole he did that twice uh when their ruck was at the five meter and we couldn't hold on at all uh and that happened so that happened there uh when we were at 20 30 to 24 five meter the scrum half uh took the ball he, and he went in and we couldn't tackle him and we bounced off 
after that, on the restart, uh, they got it to one of their centers, and it was in the corner, and they, they scored. Uh, it was 36 to 30 at that point, and it was just uh, – I, I missed the last penalty. I, th- I think it, the feed went out because I thought the score – I thought the whistle was blown dead at uh, at 36 to 30. But we had some really bad – uh, defensive lapses. We took a Saul Wuching took a yellow. Uh, I think he's going to have difficulty with the next game because he really wasn't in uh, where he needed to be uh, on defense around the ruck, and uh, he took a high t- a high tackle uh, into a guy and took a yellow. Uh, it was towards the yeah at the end of the first half, which really set us back at that point. So, uh, uh, we got to get our back line in sync. We got to be physical because our pool of games is, is not what it was last year. Uh, it is going to be tough. And so that, that's what I had from watching that game. Well, thank you for watching that game. Cause, uh, as you mentioned during our pre-broadcast chat, it was probably not the easiest of streams to watch, was it? Uh, no, it was actually hard to get to. So Yeah, I'm sure. But, hey, that's rugby for you. I thought that was supposed to be getting better. I guess not. Um, no. Uh, you know, uh, is what it is. <laughs> yeah. So, on to our next topic. Uh, Tiger Rugby is the high-performance partner of Atlanta and the yeah, and Aaron, I know you've uh, been talking to folks about this, so I guess I just wanted to share a little bit about Tiger Rugby itself before we jump into the their relationship with Atlanta. Uh, but the organization started in 2007, so it's um, over a decade old already. Uh, the purpose of it was to expose uh, young up-and-coming players to high-level competition as pro- primarily a traveling team initially. Uh, since then, it's really become... Uh, a lot about player development and uh, it made a lot of noise back in 2016 when it participated in uh, with the worked with the Ohio aviators and provide some coaching support in pro rugby. So uh, with all that said, um, Aaron, I know you've been talking to folks, like I said, so what are you hearing about Atlanta? Uh, you know, I, I was talking to James Walker a couple weeks ago, hit him up the other day and, you know, he's like, pay attention. We're going to drop a press release, blah, blah, blah. And, you know, the, this hype. And, you know, shout out to Atlanta MLR. Follow them on Twitter, at Atlanta MLR. Because guess what? We all met each other because of Reddit. And you know where they posted their press release? Exclusive to RML Rugby. <laughs> shout out to Atlanta MLR. Uh, and, uh, I appreciate so that, was, that a lot. That I appreciated was, that a lot. That was really cool. It felt uh, special. Now get a name so we can put we can push a, a subreddit out uh, for you guys. But uh, you know, I, I, t- I was talking to James Walker about this a couple weeks ago, and you know, he said assumed right that he was working for Atlanta MLR, but he also said to me that Tiger Rugby will be the high performance partner of Atlanta Major League Rugby, and. You know, Atlanta, Atlanta will run their own academy that will be separate from the uh, high-performance stuff that Tiger Rugby does. Tiger Rugby will work with 
uh, a lot of crossover athletes that will be in the tiger system so that like every day in a daily training environment so that they can, you know, become rugby because rugby players, because t- tiger has that history. They worked with Sam McGuffey uh, to get him up to speed as a rugby player. He was, he, I think he spent like eight months with tiger before he eventually was signed by pro granted pro wasn't a thing. Uh, when he was signed by pro, when he was started with Tiger Rugby, and then uh, Spike Davis uh, spent about a year with Tiger Rugby in Ohio as he was converting uh, to being a player, uh, and he lit up pro rugby as well. Uh, so they've got a long history going back to Perry Baker, uh, as far as one of those guys, and so uh, it's going to be great. Uh, to see what they can do. And part of that press release, as they mentioned, uh, one of the things, you know, two weeks, a week and a half before the press release, James was telling me, he's like, our head coach is already hired. One of his assistants is already hired. And we're working very fast to establish that staff right now uh, so that we can get our systems in place. You ask around, if you're in Atlanta, you'll probably find out who it is, but the guy's resume is really great from the college game. And, uh, you know, great young high performance coach that could eventually become an Eagle, the Eagles head coach in uh, probably five, six years. I mean, he's young, so he's got a lot of teeth to cut uh, when it comes in, but it, it, it's a great guy. Well, well, as I've been saying the last couple of weeks, uh, you know, whenever we mention Tiger Rugby potentially getting involved with MLR, is that I think it can only be a good thing. If you look at the other clubs that have put a lot of time and effort into their academy systems, it's been Glendale and it's been Houston. Now, granted, Houston didn't see the results that they probably would have wanted to last year on the field. However, in terms of their program structure, their front office structure, it's a very solid place in a very large, in one of the largest markets in Major League Rugby. And their academy is going to start attracting people to come to that team. Atlanta being another one of these large market cities in the Major League Rugby, it can have that same positive effect is that if it establishes, you know, a genuine and productive academy system, people are going to want to come to this team from overseas, from other places. It's going to be attractive which is going to make it more and more competitive in the long run. Second of all, Tiger Rugby is a, is a program that already has its own sort of culture and system of play uh, instilled. So all it really has to do is make sure that gets transferred to the players. It's not at, the, at this, I don't want to call it a disadvantage, but it's not at the slight disadvantage in which a team has to start from scratch from the ground up and find out who they are as a team. Obviously, there's going to be some aspect of, uh, to that, but with Tiger coming in and sort of providing that initial foundation of culture and system, uh, you know, I definitely have high hopes for Atlanta in that regard. Yeah, I think uh, James specifically as a as an evaluator of talent, I think they're uh, with what they plan to do, with what they plan to invest. It, it's going to be it's going to be different uh, than what we've currently seen, and I think the teams that have invested in their academies already won't really have that far to go to do the same stuff. I mean, we're talking, you know, just a couple more steps and then you'll have the beginnings of, of real Academy systems in place in this country. And we'll start churning out rugby athletes faster than we have in the past, which is, you know, we've been at a snail's pace for years and years. And I think we'll get at least at a tortoise's pace for a couple of years uh, when we start to see that. Uh, take place. 
Uh, moving on to our, uh, our our last topic before we hit some transactions and some questions. Uh, so preseason matches. Uh, starting to see the preseason match schedules come out. Uh, Glendale has theirs out, so they're playing a, a longer schedule. Uh, we didn't really highlight uh, their demolishing of the Barbarians. Uh, to talk about that, it was 81-0. to zero. It was really a younger side that they put out. It was not their first side. And that's what you – that's the kind of – that's the kind of score you want to see uh, from them right now uh, against a Division Two club in the Frontier region. So, and you know, Barbarians—they—they've had a long culture, a lot of prestige there. They play good rugby at the Division Two level, and but at the end of the day, it's still—it was still an MLR team. It wasn't their—it it wasn't the Red River team that was out there. It was all these young guys that are in the academy and some of the old hands uh, to beef them up, sort of like uh, our APC squad looks like right now. Um, you know, a bunch of knockdown starters with a bunch of young guys vying for a spot. Uh, but uh, we, the Sea Wolves just announced their match against the Crimson Tide, which is uh, one of the Vancouver Island select teams. So that would be really cool. That will be in Victoria. On the 22nd of October, I think. Um, I'm hoping there's a stream because I really want to see that. Uh, or December 22nd, not October 22nd. I, I just want to say, am I the only one who's disappointed they're not playing Alabama? Because when, when, <laughs> when I first read that, I was just like, no shit. <laughs> but, yeah. Oh, I'm uh, our, our producer or engineer person uh, is telling me that the barbarians kicked ass this year. They did to give them credit. Uh, they have a bunch of solid athletes on their team and their sevens team is always good. Uh, the barbarians won division two national championship this year, but mm-hmm. moving forward. Yeah. The crimson tie. Uh, that would have been, that would have been hilarious. Uh, but so before really, we only had the preseason schedule for the arrows and Glendale and Utah. But now we're starting to see it. You see the uh, the Free Jacks are, are showing their colors and they're they're un- unraveling their banners and they're going to have a, a few exhibitions this year. Uh, really, I want to see a a more controlled preseason this year. Whereas last year there was only uh, Glendale, uh, Utah, Nola, and Houston with a a longer preseason to get them ready for some teams that works for some teams that didn't. But at the end of the day, everyone's going to have to start doing preseason matches because the, as the salaries go up, the practice hours go up. So one thing I'm really excited about the preseason is kind of like Aaron said, is that uh, teams know a little bit more of what to expect of what an, of what an MLR season is going to entail and what it's going to take physically and mentally uh, to get through one. Uh, one thing, one thing I I hope at least that that Houston is going to learn from is not to uh, overplay its starters throughout a preseason. Uh, somebody like you know Sam Windsor who didn't want to come off the field for all 80 minutes for not just the the entire preseason preseason but the entire regular season and i think one one of the things you can point to in terms of houston's uh lack of success in the regular season may have been that long preseason in which the players just sort of got played out um even though everybody thought it was going to have the opposite effect so i'd like to see a mlr preseason 
where more younger players who are sort of fringe roster guys are getting the chance to develop now that we kind of have a better understanding of who each team's impact guys are, or at least, you know, who the remaining ones are that weren't poached from other, by other clubs in Europe. Um, shout out to Nick Saravia from Corvallis. Uh, I'm guessing you're a beaver. Uh, go state. But uh, thanks for watching, man. Uh, yeah, I, I really want to see a developed preseason fully next year. Uh, in fact, it might you know be fully developed this year. We're just uh, not everyone's ready to announce it because there's a lot of uh, other things they got to take care of um, before we get to that. Uh, speaking of, October 13th is the Houston Sabercats Combine. So uh, if you're in Houston or you – have missed any of the other combines and you want a shot at making a team October 13th, mm-hmm. Houston Sabercats go to Houston right Sabercats.com and slash Academy. Find, uh, slash so, aca- somewhere slash. on the website, you will find details. Yep. I think it's on the Academy portion. Yep. Go to their Academy page. You need to register online. And then, uh, you got, you get to, you get to the location. Uh, the location is on their Academy page. Um, around 1230, you have to do like another round of registration. And then the combine begins, uh, at one o'clock and goes till about four o'clock. You're going to see, uh, people like Sam Windsor there. And along with another, uh, assortment of, uh, both Sabercat and West Houston line coaches, uh, so yeah, it's going to be, it's a great opportunity for anybody who wants to get in there and uh, show off their skills to coaches and scouts. Plus, Hey, there's probably a t-shirt in for, or in there for you. Oh fuck. Yeah. Guy. Uh, so transactions, two signings this week. Mm-hmm. So we got Connor Wallace Sims going to rugby United, New York. This was a move that was more or less anticipated given his, uh, given his prominence in the New York City uh, rugby community with Old Blue. Kind of like another recent signing of Rugby United New York's uh, Luke Hume. He has a big sevens background. Um, He is an Eagles sevens player. And so what that really says to me is that New York's looking for speed. It's not looking to ground and pound the way that, you know, maybe Houston, the Free Jacks, or Utah uh, uh, went with uh, in the last regular season. They're looking to compete with teams like San Diego and Glendale, who can fucking slaughter you to the outside. And I think that's going to be the type of team they are. And what are the reasons why they're probably going to be running the East, at least for this season? Well, um, you know, I I thought Connor Wallace Sims was going to be a Sabercat last year because he, he showed up to practice. for He was in Houston for about two weeks visiting people, and he was at Sabercat's practice for like a week. And I was like, so Connor – being a saber cat, it was like nah. He's just he's just hanging out, you know. Just want to play rugby. Wanted to get his rugby in, so he was out of practice. I was like, dang, that would been nice. But uh, Noah Gold adds Scott Gale. Scott is a utility back. Uh, he's played a lot of scrum half, but he can also play uh, fly half and fullback. So uh, he, young guy, I think about twenty five. Currently, he's playing with Queensland Country, which is the direct NRC team uh, in Australia under the Queensland Reds. He has previously played Super Rugby for the Reds, and he has also played in the Japanese Top League for the Kamaishi Sea Waves. Uh, and, you know, 
one of the things you've noticed so far with the Nola Gold signings is all of these young guys. You know, they they really, uh, you know, Ryan Fitzgerald really has said, you know, we want to go, we want to be young because every at, at the professional level, the guys that last the longest uh, are usually extremely special, and so you bring in all these high level players from overseas since the cap went up to ten who are young that can make an impact here for a long time. So that's really cool. I love that philosophy. But uh, on to our next segment. Yeah. That next segment is questions from Bob. It's my favorite bad. segment. I don't know about you guys. I like saying um, that. <laughs> So, yeah, this is a segment we like to do uh, every week. We get questions from the Reddit uh, MLR Reddit community, and that's online at reddit.com slash r slash mlrugby. And we're going to start things off this week with a question that I feel like we get just about every week, but that's okay. Johnny24 eh, wants to know, why hasn't there been an announcement on the arrows yet? Well. The, the ink, the, the ink just isn't dry. It's, it's what, what, you, what people need to understand is that there is this, there's this a nuance in, in media where you can't officially talk about something on the record if unless the ink, the ink is dry and everything's been confirmed. Like we know that the arrows are going to be a part of this season. Everybody is planning on it. The the plans have been set in motion, but there's just there's something you can't do definitively like 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 announcing it on mlr's homepage until all the contracts and visas have been taken care of but it's not like there's some big villain politician standing in the way of the arrows uh being able to compete in the mlr and we need batman to save it you know it, it's something that's going to happen it's just something that's taking time uh you know in the bureaucratic system it's just expect the arrows to play this season i promise uh, yeah, everything I, I know uh, points to, you know, let, let's get it done. It's going to happen. I actually read this a bit too late in the day to ask the question. So of the specific person that would probably have an answer. So I will actually ask this question tomorrow when uh, people are awake or, you know, not hanging out with their family. So just I, I don't know at this time. <laughs> Freaking seven o'clock where you are, it's still like human hour, like there. Well, the other thing to remember is, I think calls can only be sent into Canada for a few hours a day. Is that still accurate, or <laughs> <laughs> no? They have the same country code as us, so it's not long distance anymore. Oh, okay. Well, great. <laughs> two well, two count. <laughs> Oh, sorry. Did you have anything else, Liam? No, nah, I was going to make a really mean, mean Canadian joke, but just go ahead. <laughs> there are friends from the North, and we love Canada. Oh, yeah. Not as much as the USA, but still, they're okay. <laughs> Two-Tone York asks, it looks like season two is going to happen. How certain are you MLR will make it to season three or beyond? 99.99% sure that we will be making it to season three. That 0.001% is whether or not Cthulhu may come from the sea and take his rightful place as Lord of the uh, Lord of the realm. Huh. So 
Out, outside of that, though, however, um, what one of the big things that people have been talking about, uh, I've mentioned in the past, is that teams were required to put up at least three years worth of capital or have a plan for, um, you know, securing th- three three years worth of capital for the team. Um, maybe saying 99.99% is a bit of an overture. I would say I'm 97, 98% sure that we're going to be seeing a season three, just considering the way people have been talking and planning, because I've seen a lot of you know, plans on the underground of the media circuit uh, point until tw- to 2020, 2021? Um, you know, uh, I don't know. Um, I would say we're good. Uh, it, yeah. it looks with, with what I've been told as far as when you talk to sp- certain GMs and you're looking at expansion because you're trying to predict this, you're trying to get your – especially when you're on the media side and you're trying to get your roots down and make it, establish a relationship with different guys. It's like, there's a lot of people interested in adding teams to the league. And one of the things that they're going to have to deal with next year is they've all discussed, you know, having a pause in membership and what that equates to, whether it's a 12 or a 14 league and then taking a significant layoff of adding teams which will eventually drive up of course the buy-in and just general interest because if you have a stable product more people want a part of it uh you know not 100 percent. i would say i'm about 90 percent that we're good to go uh 10 percent is you know a major economic dive and this isn't viable but i don't see that happening all right. I think that's fair. And I think it's fair to say that we don't know what's going to happen in the future, but it does seem compared to some of the past efforts that MLR has really tried to set themselves up for success. Uh, and that that's what's encouraging me about this entire process. So moving along, we had a comment come in from our YouTube section. So Nick is over there right now. Hey, Nick, thanks so much for listening to us tonight. We appreciate it, man. He wants to know what happened to the ESPN and MLR deal for online content. If you're wondering as far as uh, developing more content uh, outside of, you know, putting games on, uh, I think it's it's just going to be progressive. Uh, same with the CBS one because the CBS deal says the same thing, that there's going to be more content. And the reality is we're looking at phased investment across just from the team level to media partners level. So at some point uh, when the, when the analytics get there, uh, you'll see more and more, you know? So wait and see. Yeah. It's coming. Basically wait and see. Uh, Nick also sent in a second question and he's curious about um, investments from overseas clubs into MLR. Uh, so are we going to see clubs uh, buying into Seattle, uh, buying into Rooney or Free Jacks? Well, we've uh, already we've already seen one buy-in from Canterbury uh, into Seattle, but in terms of other uh, teams, I'm not quite sure. Uh, so you've seen Canterbury buy-in, but from what I understand, that that investment wasn't huge. Uh, it was just. You know, they, they wanted to be a part of it. They wanted to support, and, you know, they, they supported the Seawolves a bit. But uh, I, I don't know about clubs, but individuals. 
Uh, the CEO uh, of Rugby United New York is formerly the CEO of Stade Francais, and he is also now a part owner of Rugby United New York, uh, Pierre Arnault. So there is there are foreign people looking to invest in this league because they they want to see rugby succeed. They want to grow rugby in the place that seems to be forever asleep. I think that's uh, just about everybody's favorite uh, turn of phrase is the sleeping giant. Mm-hmm. I swear to God, if like one more international rugby journalist types that I'm just going to fly to the UK and punch him in the keyboard. <laughs> It's like, oh, guy, I'm going to call United States a sleeping giant. It, it's not been done before. I'm going to win a fucking Pulitzer Prize for this shit. Sleeping giant. That's how I imagine they tuck. <laughs> That's exactly what happens in every sports newsroom anywhere in the UK. We all, they okay, all have a accents. Yep. <laughs> well, I assume so. Otherwise, they probably wouldn't be into rugby. Yeah, right. There's no other accent in the UK other than a Cockney. I refuse to believe that. Um, there's Jock, which is Scotland. Um, then there's Welsh. Uh, man, spelling in in Welsh. I so just to just to go over that. Is it is it Yanelli or Lenethly? It's it's Lenethly, but you Lenethly. But you'd never know by the way it's by the way it's spelled. <laughs> that was um, amazing. <laughs> so the last question for tonight is a very serious one, and it's one posed by a, a member of this panel here tonight. I would like to know why do people like rugby league? Brainwashing. You know, it was uh, it's the work it's the working man's sport in some places, and, and I say this in some places because you know in other places union is is the working man's sport. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, at, when you think about it, and if we look at uh, what union is doing in the inner cities in America now, uh, you have Play Rugby USA, you have ICEF Rugby in. Uh, Los Angeles uh, Inner Cities Education Foundation, all like man, they they produce great rugby players. ISEF does, but all of their athletes that that they invest in, they're such good people and such good athletes in other sports that they get rugby may be their best sport, but they get full rides to go play football, basketball, women's volleyball, women's basketball, oh, a whole bunch of other sports because multi sport is this country. And now we're seeing the beginnings of uh, Memphis Inner City Rugby uh, starting to push out seniors now. And they're getting, you know, rugby placement, rugby scholarships for some of these for some of these uh, young men and women in Mem- playing the Memphis program. So uh, why people like rugby league? I don't know. I mean, there's no rucks or anything and stuff like that. Uh, I need to. Uh, one of my one of my friends is uh, was the last player to ever be banned by rugby union. So uh, you know, there's there's a lot of bad blood between league and, and union, and I don't know um, when you. It's just weird. Uh, I, I guess the way you can explain it is rugby union is more like rugby rugby union in Australia 
is more like rugby league in England when you compare their structures and the fact that less people are playing and there's no grassroots and as an aggregate, whereas if you go some places in Australia, rugby unions certainly ain't dying. Uh, you know, you go to Melbourne and you go to um, Sydney in the suburbs, like though their rugby union grassroots competitions are great, but there's a massive disconnect between what is going on up here and what is going on down here. And, you know, someone said the other day, you know, if the union, if the union, so the national union goes under or whatever, will rugby stop being played? And the answer is no. Because who runs rugby at the grassroots level, not the national union, especially in this country? Yeah, well, Very I mean, good. yeah. I mean, uh, my, I think, my, uh, my, my, was, my opinion my opinion on league is, is that it's not as fun to watch as union kind of <laughs> you know like i appreciate aaron's answer but just yeah there's no rucks fucking i want to see people get hit rucks scrums line outs you know there's downs like uh, all the other stuff yeah and with that i think we are just about ready to wrap it up fellas so, uh, any final thoughts before we head home? Nah, I, I got to go to work, and I don't like that. I want to keep talking about rugby, but you guys got lives, so I understand. Um, well, final thoughts. Uh, all I got is uh, the giveaway. Uh, three pairs of tickets, courtesy of the Rugby Weekend triple header presented by UL, are up for grabs this weekend. Like and share on Facebook also and tag a mate like and retweet on Twitter and tag a mate. And then on Instagram, we'll get this up, share the post in your story and tag a mate and like it, of course. So lots of taggings. Lots of tagging, tag a mate. Tagging mate. I've got a couple things for final thoughts. Um, I'll try to get through these quick. So first off, I just want to send our best wishes to Paul Lasique. Uh He had a great start this weekend for uh, the Harlequins against Saracens and then immediately got dinged. Uh, he is now in concussion protocol, uh, but he was tweeting uh, Saturday night after the match saying that he was doing okay and that he really appreciated everybody's uh, thoughts and well wishes towards him. So uh, get well soon, sir. Uh, you know, we appreciate you. Appreciate uh, you representing Utah Warriors over there in the UK. So great work. Uh, the second one is uh, the... Wilmington, North Carolina's Cape Fear Rugby Football Club, uh, along with the entire ever, uh, the entire region, was just uh, destroyed when Hurricane Florence came through uh, just last month. And uh, they, like so much of the area, are in the process of rebuilding. They're rebuilding their field. They're working on their facilities, and they have put up a page on GoFundMe. Uh, asking for donations. So if you guys have the opportunity to jump on there and give a few dollars, help uh, your rugby brethren out, you know, cause that's where, uh, like I keep saying all the time, you know, we got to support our local clubs first and make sure that or those organizations are strong so they can build a brighter future for MLR for the national team, everything 
comes from the roots on up. So go out and support Cape Fear Rugby Football Club if you have the means and the opportunity. That's it for me. Uh, so thank you so much to Liam, Aaron, and Josh over in the comments section for helping us out tonight. For those of you uh, who are still listening, be sure to tune in next week. We're live every Monday night here on YouTube and available for download every Wednesday morning. If you like what we do, please subscribe to our YouTube and iTunes feeds. Uh, that sh especially on iTunes, uh, uh, subscribing and giving us a five-star like really helps us uh, get noticed by others, and we will read out those uh, positive reviews on air. Be sure to share your news, your views, and your abuse with us on Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram. And, uh, yeah, be sure to get in on the contest this week. I mean, free tickets, man. How can you beat that? So Hell yeah. We'll, we'll see you on the socials, and we'll see you live here next Monday night. Until then, thanks for listening. Go out and watch some rugby. Peace. Thank you for listening to Earful of Dirt, the Major League Rugby Podcast. We're live each Monday night on YouTube, available for download every Wednesday morning through your favorite podcast provider, and always online at earfulofdirt.com. Subscribe to our channel on YouTube and like us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. You can share your thoughts with us via our voicemail by calling 720-600-2679. We're live again next Monday at 10 p.m. Eastern, 7 p.m. Pacific. We'll see you then.